Hey everyone, welcome to Entrepreneurship by Design with Dr. C. I'm your host, Dr. Caroline, and thank you so much for joining us today. Entrepreneurship looks different for everyone. How and why we start our business, challenges that occur, pivots we have to make, success we achieve, all while life is happening. That's why I love sharing these inspiring entrepreneurs with you and shed light that there is enough room for everyone to succeed and thrive, even if you're in the same industry. I'm so glad you're here with us today because we have an incredible guest, Kale Delaney. Kale, who self-titles himself the accidental intentional millionaire, is a Christian real estate investor, entrepreneur, husband, and father of three. After graduating with an engineering degree from the University of Miami, he began his real estate career in 2006, working as a commercial real estate investment broker in Miami, Florida, where he was awarded the Pace Setter Award for his first year for the most number of listings and sold over $7 million in multifamily and retail real estate. However, with the crash in 2008, he left that business and put real estate on hold until 2020 when he decided to go all in to start building generational wealth for his family. Since then, his investment portfolio went from $300,000 in January 2020 to over $6 million in less than two years later. Due to his rapid success, he's been featured on several well-known podcasts, including Bigger Pockets Real Estate Rookie. Kale self-manages all his properties remotely as of December 2022 and left his W-2 job to focus on his real estate ventures. Kale's focus is now building on his short-term rentals business with the intent to diversify into larger multifamily and or self-storage for additional passive income streams. He also has several projects in the works, including a nonprofit mastermind program, co-hosting, and podcast, The Fit Investor Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today, Kale. It is such a pleasure to have you. And I would love for you to just dive into your journey, how you got here today, and then we can go a little bit deeper. Yeah. And thank you, Dr. C, for having me on. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, so my uh, my business that I do is, is short-term rentals. Just kind of take it back, I guess, a little bit is, you know, I started out in um, actually studying engineering. That's what I went to college for. And, uh, you know, during, during college, I even decided that that wasn't the profession that I really wanted to do. And so I was looking for some different options. And I actually ended up starting working for a commercial real estate brokerage firm uh, down in Miami, Florida. Uh, my senior year, and then went full time with them after I graduated. And it was just something at the time that I really just, you know, you hear people make money in real estate. And so I thought it sounded like a good idea. You know, I was young, didn't really know anything and sounded like, hey, here's a way to, to make some money. Uh, didn't necessarily turn out to be the case. It was, you know, pretty bad timing. That was 2006 to 2008. Uh, so of course, that's when the great real estate crashed, the recession, all that stuff. So was not the best of timing, but I learned a lot. Uh, you know, I got to interact with investors. I got to see how you know commercial property is underwritten. You know, I did sell a decent amount uh, of commercial properties, so it was good experience. Uh, frankly, I just wasn't ready for it at that point from a, a mindset. Um, you know, like I said, I was 22 or whatever it was at the time, yeah. and really was not thinking about investing. Was not thinking about the future. It was you know kind of how people are at that age. So. Uh, and so I didn't do anything with it. Uh, after I left that, that profession, uh, in 2008, I went into construction management, uh, just because it was kind of the logical thing to do with my degree without working in design engineering. And so I worked in that profession for uh, 15 years, a little over 15 years, actually. 
and you know worked my way up to senior project manager for a large construction company doing projects all across the country uh and it was just something that i never really had a passion for um it was it was a great job on paper um you know paid well good benefits you know good flexibility and all that stuff uh and a good company but again just didn't have a passion for it it was a very stressful job and so uh, in 2020, beginning of 2020 is kind of when things really shifted for me. And uh, so we have three kids, but uh, our youngest one is, is three years old. And so when he was born towards the end of 2019, I just started thinking a lot more about the future and how, you know, I couldn't really see myself in that job for the next 30, 40 years. Uh, and then I needed to find a way out and fast. Mm-hmm. And so... <laughs> I kind of just fell back on real estate just because that was the one thing that I kind of had that little bit of experience with and and I knew about. Um, and then I read the the rich dad, poor dad, like a lot of people do. And, and mm-hmm. those, that was kind of the turning point for me is, you know, when I read that book, it really kind of lit the light bulb in my head of, okay, wow. I, now I understand, you know, if I want to be wealthy, if I want to build this generational wealth, I need to have a business and I need to invest. And so I just dove in from that point on. I said, okay, real estate's going to be my my vehicle. Uh, I don't exactly know how or, or what, but that's that's what's going to do it. And so devoured podcasts, books, did what the experts tell you to do. And, you know, 90 days later, I had my first deal, uh, my first property. And it was actually a long-term rental. Uh, it was a fourplex in a local market. I thought that short uh, long-term rentals was going to be the, the way I was going to go. Mm-hmm. Um but I just quickly discovered it was going to take a lot longer than what my goal was to reach the income that I wanted with just doing long-term rentals and small multifamily. And so I just started looking at what else is out there, you know, what else in the real estate world is out there that can get me more cash flow. Really, that, that's what I wanted. I wanted cash flow so that I could leave the, the W-2. Um, that was my primary goal. And I came across short-term rentals, thankfully. And uh it was actually on a podcast and I heard about short-term rentals and I heard about the market that I invest in and I didn't even know where it was. I looked it up on Google maps, took a 16 hour drive out there with the family a couple of days later. And uh, three weeks later, we were under contract on our first property um, as a short-term rental. And then fast forward 18 months from then I built and we bought seven more uh, cabins. These are log cabins in the Smoky mountains. And we built up a, a portfolio of, you know, just under $7 million uh, and, uh, you know, seven figure revenue, uh, gross revenue. And now that's what I do full time. So I left my W2 last year and uh, now we're just growing and expanding with the real estate and short term rentals. I love it. What a journey to starting from engineering and then realizing <laughs> a shift right before you graduated and then obviously the real estate crash in 2008 and navigating that and then going full time and realizing what was best for you. But I love that you were able to really be open-minded in learning from books and podcasts and just really divulging all this information that what made sense for you and really even seeing the difference between long-term rentals versus short-term rentals and where your money and time and energy was better used and served and I'm Absolutely. curious, from the long term to short term, when you started to realize that, what was that shift for you when you started obviously seeing numbers? And obviously that's very clear, but when you heard it on the podcast and started doing that, what transpired from that moment from when you started really focusing on the short term? 
Yeah. So yeah, again, it was that the cash flow was kind of what what drew me to the short-term rentals. And mm-hmm. you know, you can you can make significantly more with a short-term rental than a long-term rental. I mean, that that's just a fact. Right. Um, you know, the difference between the two, or one of the main differences between the two is that you know, short-term rentals is, is a more active type of investment. Um, you know, uh, single family or, or long-term rental, or especially when you get into multifamily and stuff like that, uh, can be uh, more, much more passive. Uh, however, you know, your your cash flow is typically going to be less. Um, so, short-term rentals is a little bit more active, um, and and it requires that input. Um, but one of the additional huge benefits to it, uh, which was also attractive to me at the time, were the tax benefits uh, that come with it. Which, you know, for anybody who's a relatively, you know, high income earner with a W-2 or other type of active income, one of the big barriers with real estate and and long-term rentals uh, specifically or other asset classes is that to be able to utilize the depreciation that you get from real estate as a tax write-off, you have to meet a very stringent qualification from the IRS um, called real estate professional status, which if you have a W-2 or, an, or a full-time job, it's virtually impossible to actually qualify. So the, or a way around that is short-term rentals do not have that same qualification. They have a much less stringent qualification criteria so that you can have a full-time job and you can take that depreciation and, uh, you know, through some tax strategies, you can write off that depreciation, a significant portion of it. Uh, and offset your your active income. So it, it, it's just a tremendously powerful uh, uh, tool besides the real estate itself. Um, so once I kind of realized, realized all these things, uh, that's kind of why I dove right in and moved really fast with it. And like I said, that we had that first property within three weeks of going up there. And then within two, three months, we had two more properties and then we just kept buying more. And, mm-hmm. you know, once you get... Uh, two, three properties, um, especially if you're still working a, a, a regular job and you're able to just reinvest those proceeds from the properties, that snowball effect starts to take place, right? So now the properties you have start buying the next properties. Uh, and so that's, you know, through some other strategies and things uh, and financing, that's how I was able to really scale uh, so quickly. Um, and, you know, the one thing I like to point out though, is that even though I scaled relatively quickly, um, it it really had a foundation from you know years and years and years of hard work, right? I mean, mm-hmm. all that fifteen years, seventeen years, whatever since college that I had been working, you know, I was fiscally responsible. You know, I lived a frugal life. I still lead lead a frugal life. Um, you know, saving money. I was doing doing the stuff that kind of was common sense. You know, put the money in the four hundred one k, the IRA, save money, all that. Live below your means, all that stuff. Right. Um, you know, which has a place and can, can certainly, you know, help. Uh, so I, I did that and that was what gave me a financial base really for when that light bulb went off and I was ready to pull the trigger. And so that's how I was really able to, you know, begin that scaling really, really quickly. So, um, you know, anybody who is working and, you know, hasn't gotten started or is getting started, uh, you know, just take that to heart in that. Uh, you know, you really got to be fiscally responsible. I mean, especially if you're going to get into the investing world and entrepreneurship world, um, mm-hmm. when things are left up to you at that point, you, you got to have good disciplines in place uh, before you get started or things can kind of get a mess. 
Yep. I completely agree with that. And (laughs) (laughs) I'm really curious too, because I I love that you said it was years of like on the back end of really being able to build the financial aspect to be able to do the things you're doing now. And I'm really curious, what were some of the key strategies that you did use to implement in order to rapidly grow your real estate investments from $300,000 to over 6 million in less than two years? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I had built up, you know, some money in a 401k and IRAs mm-hmm. and, you know, I had some savings and things of that nature. So, uh, initially that's what I was, I was using, just using the, that stuff. So also I took out a, a HELOC, uh, on a property that I had, mm-hmm. um, and I took out a 401k loan, um, you know, during, uh, during the COVID period as well, there was that, uh, yeah. program where you could take what, up to $100,000 out of an IRA penalty-free as well. So I did that. Um, so I kind of utilized all these different avenues with yeah. the finances and means that I that I had at that period uh, to get started. And um, another tip or technique that a lot of short-term rental investors utilize, mm-hmm. the first the first property you get in a new market you can typically get qualified to purchase it as a second home or a vacation home, which also allows you to get in with 10% down versus the typical 15 or 20% down for investment loans. Uh, and usually it has a little bit better rates. Now I think everything's kind of on par, so it doesn't really matter, but still the down payment, uh, you know, reduction in the down payment can be a big help in, in being able to get in on that first property as well. Um, so that was really how I got started. And then uh, like I said, I just, I used that, you know, I maxed out that HELOC uh, that I had on that property. I used that 401k loan. I used, you know, the savings and the other stuff. And then, you know, once I had those two, three properties and they started, you know, got up and running and started generating profits, I just let that build up and, you know, kept my eyes open for the next opportunity. And when I saw something, I was able to pull the trigger from that, that snowball effect as well. So that's kind of how I was able to really scale um, relatively quickly. And I did also take on um, a couple partners. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and actually the first property I purchased was I partnered with my father on uh, as well. So, you know, we split that, um, you know, 50-50. Uh, and then one other property I partnered with a friend of mine uh, to help him kind of get into the industry and, and get him going as well. So, you know, that's another big thing. If you... <laughs> If you, especially if you know someone that's in the industry, that makes it even easier. But, uh, you know, reaching out to friends and family, you know, that can help you financially, perhaps, or maybe that have some experience uh, or just networking and, and finding someone you can partner with. I mean, that's that's one of the best ways and easiest ways, frankly, for getting in and, and really getting things scaled up and, and fast paced. Um, so, you know, I didn't, you know, besides reaching out to my father at that time, uh, you know, I, I wasn't really doing networking and that type of stuff uh, at the time, but going back, you know, if I were to start over again, I probably would put a bigger emphasis on you know, networking in the very beginning. Um, it's something that's very important that I do a lot now, uh, but it's just one of those things in any business, you know, networking is going to be, is going to be huge. I couldn't agree more. It definitely is about those connections because you never know who knows who. And then also they can be renting short term from you as well if you make that connection. So it all works. (laughs) And I'm curious because you have so many properties that you have been able to invest in and the short term rentals as well. How do you manage that successfully with all of the ones that you have, all the properties while generating over 1.2 million in bookings and having so thousands of guests? Yeah. 
So software is your friend. Um, (laughs) And just again, just like any industry, you know, there's, there's industry specific softwares. And the beauty of short-term rentals is that you can pretty easily automate about 90%. I say about 90% of the business um, through the various softwares that are out there. The other 10% is, you know, going to be your active involvement, um, which is going to be, you know, guest communications or coordinations with cleaners and maintenance, you know, or when issues come up and, and that type of thing and optimizing and, you know, working on your pricing and your listings. And, you know, and there's a lot of rabbit holes you can go down. Like once you kind of get that baseline system in place, there's just, you know, so many other things that you can kind of start diving into with it. Um, but, you know, for a really, a relatively uh, standard or, you know, system or, or process. I mean, the softwares that are out there are, are pretty good. Um, and you know, everything really integrates. And, and so it becomes, like I said, about 90% automated. Um, and you know, it's, it's just through that you're able to do a lot. So mm-hmm. frankly, um, you know, if, if I were to just, kind of let things go on their own and and not get into a lot of the, you know, deeper details and stuff like I'm kind of doing now because I, I have the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you could run a, a setup or a business the size that I have right now with these number of properties pretty easily for, you know, an hour a day, if, if that. Um, you know, some days you might spend a lot more because you have an issue you're trying to take care of, or some days you might spend less, but, you know, on average, I'd say that. I spend a lot more time than that, uh, frankly, like I said, because I have the time. And so I'm kind of trying to work on a lot of things. And at this point, trying to catch up on a lot of backend stuff as well, because, you know, when you scale that quickly, (laughs) you don't necessarily have all all the things in place. And uh, so now trying to to work that that in and and kind of get everything else caught up on the backend. But um, the softwares really are the key. And that's what allows me to do it. Uh, cause you can do it remotely. And that was one of the big things that attracted me to short-term rentals as well, is that I wanted something that I could be location independent with, that I could be anywhere. I could travel the world. I could move to another country. I could be wherever I want to be. And as long as I had a phone and a connection, I can manage my business, my business. And, and that, that it really does have that ability. I mean, um, you know, I recently, I took a, a three week trip through, through Europe, um, you know, just me and my, my three-year-old and, <laughs> You know, I didn't have service usually throughout the day. So I'd, I'd kind of check in in the morning and the evening and, and that was it. Um, and uh, thankfully, no issues. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, so you can ultimately set things up so that you can have a lot of flexibility and, and that type of thing. Um, so that's, that's really how I do it. Uh, and it's just key getting your softwares, getting your system set up and being involved in a community as well. Um, going back to the networking because. Um, you know, even if it's just online, like I'm, I'm very active in various Facebook groups uh, with short-term rental investors, because, you know, if you run into something that you're not really sure how to handle, you've got a sounding board and chances are there's somebody who knows what to do. I mean, I had a recent issue where I lost water at a cabin and just trying to figure out what to do, reached out in the group, you know, I got tons of different suggestions, advice and, and all that thing. So having those types of communities are, are really key as well uh, so that you can, you can learn and you can share your experience as well. Um, but yeah, when issues comes up, come up, that's probably going to be your quickest way to, to find an answer or the best solution for it as well. 
Yeah, I do believe community is so important, just being able to network and get the answers quickly, especially if uh, somebody that's staying at one of the short rentals is like, I don't have water, I can't take a shower, I can't drink water, whatever it is, but being able to resolve that very quickly. And I want to just go back to where you were saying about the softwares. What are some of the softwares you've been able to use with your business and growing it? Sure. So <clears throat> with the short-term rental industry specific, um, there's really some key softwares and, and you know, I, I can give you the the, the names of the specific ones that I use, but in general, you have what's called a PMS or a property management software. And that's kind of your, your hub. That's where, you know, all your other things connect. That's where your, your Airbnb, your VRBO, your direct booking platforms all connect in your pricing platform connects in. And, and that just brings everything together and then, you know, disperses the inputs out to those, those various platforms. Um, we also use a, a dynamic pricing tool, which is another software that, through you know various algorithms, market data, everything it can and parameters that you set, it dynamically adjusts your pricing on a daily basis. So you know based on occupancy, demand factors, you know holidays, events, you know all these various things, uh, it'll adjust your pricing on a daily basis and push that out to your your platforms um, so that you can really optimize your your pricing uh, and your revenue through that. Um, those are really the key things. I mean from there. The the big push now, especially with short-term rentals, is getting more involved in direct bookings, you know, outside of the, the major platforms like Airbnb and VRBO. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's various ways and and um companies that can build websites and, and all that stuff. Um, but it just it gives you you know much better control. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically you can actually make more while the guest is also ends up paying less because you can avoid, you know, all those platform fees are pretty, pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. Um and so, you know, you know, just a lot better control and quality and, and pricing abilities. Um, and in those black swan events like a COVID or things like that, mm-hmm. you know, during that time, those platforms just canceled and shut everybody down. Right. If you have the control in a direct booking site, then you are in control and, you know, you can work with guests and if they want to stay or not stay. So you're not at the mercy of, you know, some, some major platform that can do whatever they want at the end of the day. Um, so that, that's a big push in the industry uh, as well these days. But yeah, your property management software and your, your dynamic pricing, those are going to be your two major, major tools uh, that allow you to, to really do 90, like I said, 90% of, of things automated. Yeah, that's significant. And just even diversifying where you're posting it to and having the direct booking link. And I'm curious because you've diversified your income streams through larger multifamily um, units, but also self-storage investments as well. What t- steps have you been taking to build that sort those sources of income? It's through networking and, and research, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's kind of my end game at this point is to, you know, still build out the short-term rental business uh, a little bit more uh, just because it is so powerful with the, the cash flow and the tax advantages and everything. Um, but at the end of the day, yeah, get begin diversifying more into these larger assets that have more significant wealth building abilities. Um, not that short-term rental doesn't, because you can make some significant wealth still with short-term rentals through appreciation and things like that. But right. commercial assets, there's, you know, it's a whole nother ball game. Um, the numbers are bigger. Uh, you have the ability to force appreciation instead of relying on market appreciation. Um, and so it's just, that's kind of my end game is ultimately diversifying and getting into that more. And so you know, I'm beginning to start networking with people in those in those uh, those areas and those asset classes, 
uh, and just doing my due diligence and my research through again, books, podcasts, community, all that, all that stuff as well. Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned generational wealth, and I know that's something that you're teaching your children about and just really expanding on what lessons have you learned from your journey as the accidental intentional millionaire and your <laughs> commitment to building generational wealth? Yes, yes. Uh, like like I had touched on earlier in that, you know, I, the, the so-called common sense financial, you know, education, if you want to call it that, yeah. uh, that we get through or lack thereof through school and just normal society and life, you know, it teaches you, it teaches you to take what it considers the the safe route, right. Which is, mm -hmm. you know, go to school or go to college, you know, get a job, work, whatever it is, 50, 60 years, hopefully you can retire, put your money in a 401k IRA savings, all this stuff and, and all that. Mm -hmm. uh, anybody who really starts to think about that, I, I, I think you're going to realize that it's not nearly as safe as you think. And frankly, it's almost set up to fail. Uh, it's almost set up for you to retire poor. Um, so if you want to really start building generation wealth, you got to have the financial literacy um, that, you know, it's a common phrase for it, which that means you have to understand business. You have to understand investing and you have to start using, letting your money work for you and the ultimate is letting others pe other people's money work for you, right? And utilizing debt to your advantage, good debt to your advantage. Um, unfortunately, we're taught to use the bad debt, consumer debt, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> which is just a, a black hole that yeah. uh, is not good. So, um, so I try to teach my kids that, again, there's good debt and bad debt. You mm -hmm. don't want bad debt. You, know, you don't want to go buy a new car. You don't want to go buy the newest, you know, buy the newest iPhone or whatever that comes out. It's so yeah, just from a simple standpoint, it's okay <laughs> to have used things. Like <laughs> there's nothing wrong with having used things. I mean, I get most of my stuff used. I mean, I I prefer why why do I want to spend full price when I can get it for half price? I mean, um, so there's that kind of simple stuff. And then from an investing and kind of long-term standpoint. I'm just trying to get them interested in things. So one thing that I do is for birthdays and, and Christmas, instead of getting them a toy or, you know, a gift or anything like that, what I give them is uh, for their birthdays, they get, you know, one silver coin for each year of their age. So, you know, my oldest recently turned 12. So he got 12 silver coins, you know, uh, one ounce silver coins. And then for Christmas, they get a little one gram gold bar. And so you know, it's, it's cool to look at, you can touch it, you can feel it, mm -hmm. you know, they have their case for it and, and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, by the time they're 18, <clears throat> even if gold and silver don't increase in value or the dollar decrease in value, uh, it's going to be a sizable chunk of money that they're going to have that can be seed money for a business or college if they do decide to go to college. Um, and so I just try to impress that upon them as, you know, this is how you need to start thinking, you know, let's not think about today. Let's not think about, you know, the, the, what I want now, let's start deferring that gratification and let's start learning about, you know, thinking in long-term and about the future. Um, so that, that's just one simple thing that I do with them and uh, just try to impress upon them of, again, debt is consumer debt is bad, good debt, buying assets, buying cash flowing assets. Those are the things that that you want to be able to do and want to be able to use um, and just 
letting them understand that from an early age is going to be is going to be critical and frankly i i i tell them that i would prefer and this may be controversial to some people but i i prefer that they don't go to college unless they truly want to do something that requires it so you know if they want to be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer then you know hey by all means go go to college if that's your passion do it but if you don't, if you just want to go to college because that's what you think is the the right thing to do, don't. I'd mm -hmm. much rather you start a business, do some investing, get into real estate, or you're, you're going to be so much better off than than ninety percent of the people out there if you, if you just do that. So I just try to talk to them about those things and get them thinking about stuff. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that opinion. Um, my husband and I talk about that all the time too, of just understanding because we're both entrepreneurs, but also we both come from educated families, things along those lines. However, I think because my background is psychology, and I think like some professions, you do need certain degrees, but there's a lot that you don't. And there's so much you learn in real life and experiences. I, I could talk about this for hours and I'm not going to, <laughs> but I, I definitely agree with that because I do think there's this concept where, well, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to get a good job. And then you're in debt. And yeah. like, people get scholarships and grants and all that stuff too, but majority of people don't. I didn't. I mean, I got a little cheerleading scholarship, but that was it. And so <laughs> I, I think looking at where your heart desires and like what you want to do, but exposing kids from an early age to understand there's a lot of opportunities out there. You yeah. don't have to stay in one. Yeah, absolutely. And and <laughs> not to get too far off the rabbit hole, but <laughs> or down the rabbit hole, but you know, the other thing is when kids get into college, they're immediately preyed upon with this bad debt. Again, this consumer yes. debt. I mean, what's the first thing they do? They go to a financial aid office. Hey, look, here's all the money you can get. Oh, don't worry about, don't worry about paying it back right now. Do you get time for that? Yeah. Well, now you graduate, you're six figures in debt. You got a job that's probably not even paying six figures, you know? And then <laughs> it's something I actually just learned recently from listening to another podcast is that, you know, private student debt actually if you, you know, default or you pass away or whatever, that debt stays with your family. Now mm -hmm. the government debt, you know, uh, 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 educational debt does not, but private student loans do, they don't die. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it can literally destroy a family's life, you know, their credit, which is, is tremendously important. So it's a very serious thing. And you got these kids mm -hmm. who are 18 who don't know anything. And they're just kind of getting money thrown at them almost, uh, you know, to go to college and whatever else. And it can have some really serious repercussions. So uh, it's something that needs to be really considered. And, you know, parents, you know, talk with your kids about it. And like we were just talking about, there's so many other opportunities. And mm -hmm. um, especially when you come to the business and investing world <laughs> that are going to be much, much more lucrative than a lot of the, the W-2s or, or jobs that are out there. I completely agree. <laughs> um, but I'm curious because I know you are a husband, you're a father, you're a Christian, you're an entrepreneur, you're doing so many things, but how has just really balancing being a Christian, a husband and a father of three while achieving financial success and just success in life? Yeah. Um, uh, it's not easy. Um, you know, and, and frankly, I mean, even without kids and, and the family and everything else, you know, building a business is, is just, it's not easy. Um, it's going to take sacrifices. And I think that's one thing you got to be conscious of and prepared for on the front end is that mm -hmm. if you are going to start a business, you know, to whatever degree, 
it's going to take some level of sacrifice and the level of your success is going to be corresponding to the level of your sacrifice uh, for a period. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, it was, it was difficult. I mean, like I said, I was working that full-time job, which was a pretty demanding, uh, you know, senior level management job. Uh, And even actually during the midst of getting started, it was actually, oh gosh, I think maybe, six months or less after actually like getting that first, uh, short-term rental property. And, and, you know, so I had, I think we had just closed on the second and third ones, and then we're converting one of our long-terms into a short-term rental. And then I won't go into too much, but you know, my wife, uh, you know, she actually went to, um, Ecuador where, where she's from and through a series of events, you know, she had to, um, uh, she had to have an operation there, uh, that, went very wrong and she ended up being uh stuck there out of the country for uh over six months uh and so (laughs) unexpectedly now i've got in the middle of this business and everything got the job and now i've got three kids to take care of and and my wife's out of the country uh with these medical issues uh so (laughs) that took some maneuvering you know thankfully had some family that that helped out you know with, with taking we even sent the older kids um you know, to another state with my, my, uh, my parents to help out for a little bit. Uh, we brought my wife's father in from Ecuador to help out for a little bit. Uh, so utilize as much resources as we could. Um, but you know, it was, uh, it was a difficult time. And then even after that, once, you know, she got back and everything, it was still a lot more going on with that, that we had to take care of here. Um, and so, yeah, it was just a lot, but, um, I was committed to it, uh, at that point. And so I wasn't going to let it stop me no matter, no matter what. Um, and that, that's kind of what you got to do is you got to push through. And, and I tell everybody, you know, when you're getting started in, in anything, uh, again, be prepared for the sacrifice and the struggles, but more importantly, have a strong why that, or a reason that you're doing it because, you know, when those challenges do come, it's easy to throw in the towel, right? So if you're not full on committed to it and you have that strong why to, to lean back on, you know, that, that's why a lot of people, you know, either fail or, or, you know, give up. Um, so, you know, again, I, I just pushed through it. Um, and yeah, it did take some sacrifices personally, uh, you know, through that time. Um, and so, but it panned out and now, you know, I can't say things are perfect. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out the, the new rhythm of life at this point, uh, you know, as a, a full-time entrepreneur, um, because it is different, you know, it is very different from the W2 world. Uh, you have, you know, a different community or, or you lose a community, you know, maybe that you had, uh, for a while you're in control of your days now. So you have to really be disciplined and and be able to give yourself that structure. Um, because you're the only one really holding yourself accountable at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's, it's at the stage now where frankly, I, excuse me, frankly, I do need to start shifting the focus more back to the family and everything like that, because, you know, those things were sacrificed in the sense for a bit uh, while I was getting things up and running. So now it's trying to get that stuff more back in line and prioritized and, and balanced um, and, you know, getting my priority back on, you know, faith and everything like that. Like I said, I'm Christian. Um, so that's a big part of a uh, big part of things for me. And so, yeah, so I'm in the, that, that phase right now where I'm trying to 
restore a bit more balance uh, to my life because yeah, it, it had been out of whack for uh, for a little while while I was building everything up. So um, so yeah, long answer, but <laughs> the the short thing is ultimately it's not easy. Uh, you just got to be prepared and, and have a strong reason why you're doing it so you can push through. You know? Absolutely. And I appreciate your transparency in that as well, because I do think it's not all rainbows and sunshine when it comes to entrepreneurship, but also yeah. balancing family and life and faith and everything else that we have on our plates, but learning how to really portion it out and what makes sense. And I think mentioned community and networking throughout this whole um, interview as well. But I'm curious, what inspired you to pursue additional projects like the nonprofit mastermind programs, co-hosting, but also podcasting yourself? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so we re recently launched uh, a podcast called The Fit Investor. Um, and uh, so we talk about three things, how to be fit financially, physically, and faithfully. And um, for me, I kind of wanted to, the main thing was I wanted to start bringing or providing a forum for uh, people to be able to speak openly about their faith in an entrepreneurial setting. Um, because at least what I found in the real estate industry and uh, the real estate investing industry is I just started seeing that the more people I talk to, even though you may not see it on the surface, the more you talk to and get to know people, I started seeing that a lot of real estate investors are, are Christians. Um, and I think it kind of goes hand in hand with that. The real estate investing community is, is one of the most open and sharing, uh, industries out there, you know, it's not cutthroat like so many others are. Um, and so I think it was hand in hand with kind of those morals and, and everything with Christianity. But so I, I just started, you know, kind of picking up on that and, um, realizing that there's there to me, I felt there was a need for having a forum to, again, be able to openly discuss your faith, uh, you know, and, and with other people who are, you know, financially successful or, or in different areas. Um, just because in today's society, it gets repressed so much. I mean, let's just be honest it, it you know, you're taught to leave your faith at the door. Um, and for me, faith has been a big part of my life and it was a big part of my investing journey as well. And so I wanted to give credit where credit is due and, uh, and try to give that forum out there. So that, that, that was one of the big motivations in starting the podcast. And then the other things, the co-hosting, the, um, Mm -hmm. uh, consulting and all that stuff, just trying to diversify and expand and, you know, bring in additional revenue streams as well. Um, you know, it's, I built up a, a certain level of expertise over these, over these years and everything. And yeah. I have the ability to help people, you know, do the same thing that I'm doing. So, uh, you know, I would love for people to, you know, be able to get out of the, the W2 rat race, if that's what they're looking for, or, you know, if they just, you know, if they love their job and they just want to start building that generational wealth or, you know, start learning how to apply these tax advantages, you know, uh, there's just so many powerful tools that, you know, it, it doesn't need to take you years to be able to, you know, understand and learn them. You know, you can get with somebody who, who's gone through it and really fast track that. So that's kind of why I've started doing those things, uh, those things as well. Love it. It's giving back to the community. <laughs> yeah. And what advice do you have for people that are aspiring to go into the real estate market, investing, whatnot, but looking to follow a similar path to financial freedom? I know you have a lot of resources, but what advice do you have for them? The One of the biggest challenges that people get to when they're first uh, beginning to invest in, in real estate, and, and frankly, probably with, with many other business, uh, business types as well, is um, you know, the so-called analysis paralysis. <laughs> um, where, you know, you get kind of stuck in that phase of 
just looking at things and not pulling the trigger, right? Because it is scary to go over that first hurdle um, and maybe put out the most money that you've ever put out on something, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's one of the biggest hurdles that people get into. And uh, so I just encourage people that, look, we've all been there. Uh, mm-hmm. We've all gone through that fear, uh, but you just got to push through it. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to buckle up and, and just go for it. Um, and, you know, hey, it may not work out. You know, that's just a reality of it. It may not work out. And even if it doesn't work out on your first deal, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that you can't still succeed. I mean, I know so many successful real estate investors that they have, when I hear their stories of mm-hmm. their early years or beginning, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I probably would have given up. I mean, goodness gracious. <laughs> But uh, so there's so many people out there that have gone through this and, and that have, you know, had bumps and bruises along the way. Uh, so, yeah, just get started. And of course, do it as soon as you can. Right. I mean, just like with everything, the sooner, the better. Um, and then just being again, being prepared for what what entrepreneurship is um, and, and, and what it's like, because like I said, I call myself, you know. The accidental intentional millionaire and entrepreneur, you know, because I never thought I'd be an entrepreneur. I mean, I, that was the furthest thing from my mind. I literally never thought I would do that. Um, wait, thought it was way too risky. You know, I, I want stability, you know, whatever I want benefits, you know, whatever. Um, now I'm very glad I'm in the position I'm in, uh, but it is difficult and coming from a W2 world for so long to an entrepreneurial world now. It requires another big mindset shift. Um, and I'm still working through as well. Uh, so it, just be prepared for those types of things. Like it, it again, it's just, it's going to be challenges. It's going to be struggles. Um, but the reward is going to be, you know, much greater. So just have that long-term mindset and, and just be prepared for those things. Well said. And going back to that mindset shift, because when you're going from W2 to entrepreneur, it can be really scary or the scarcity mindset might come in because it's not like benefits and stable income, but you can make so much more when you're an entrepreneur versus having that cap of what you can make. I think it's just really following each journey and every journey is different, but I appreciate you sharing your journey. And I would love to know, what are you working on? What are your future aspirations and goals? I know you got a lot of things in the works, but what are you really focused on in the next year or so? Yeah. Um, so kind of my, my, yeah, I guess one, one year goals, let's say, uh, so again, I am looking to acquire some more short-term rental properties um, and, and grow that portfolio a little bit. Uh, but then, like I'd mentioned earlier, the the end goal is to start transitioning and diversifying into uh, some larger, you know, larger asset classes, um, multifamily, commercial. And I've also, again, starting those different rep- businesses or revenue streams, the coaching and co- and uh, consulting. So I want to continue to grow those um, uh, because, frankly, I, I enjoy like the consulting and the coaching part. I probably enjoy that the most. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's frankly, it's fun to help other people along the way um, and kind of see the light bulbs go off and, and enjoy the, the success that they have. So I really hope to continue building and growing that. Um and uh, yeah, I think getting a better, again, what we touched on earlier, getting a better balance back to, uh, back to life. So focusing more on the family and, uh, and everything. Um, and uh, yeah, just getting, getting back to a better balanced lifestyle. 
I love it. Well, it sounds like you're on the right track. And I love to know where can people find you, find your services. We're going to link everything below and your short-term rentals as well, but we'll link everything below. Yeah. So Facebook, uh, you can find me just Kale Delaney. Uh, like I said, I'm very active on Facebook, specifically in these uh, real estate investing, short-term rental communities, but you can find me there. You can reach out to me there. Um, Instagram, uh, Kale underscore Delaney. Um, you can find me there. I'll be honest. I'm not terrific on that. And that actually, I should have mentioned that too. That's, that's on the one-year goal as well, building up the social media and all that stuff. It's, it's in the works, <laughs> um, but you can find me there and you can message me there as well. Those are probably the two best ways to, um, you know, get in touch with me. And then, uh, like I said, you'll have the links for my, uh, you know, my website and everything else, uh, in the notes, of course. So, and check out the Fit Investor Podcast if you're interested. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much for just sharing your journey, all your transparency and insights of the ups and downs and everything in between, but really just what you've been able to accomplish in such a short period of time, really the depth of it and everything that you're working on years prior to now. And it didn't happen overnight. It might've felt like it in the, fir the first two years of <laughs> the short-term rentals, but being able to really use your knowledge base from previous years and applying it now. But I appreciate everything everything you shared today. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. Thank you. And make sure to like, subscribe, comment below. What was the biggest takeaway from Kale today? I'm sure he would love to see that comment and we'll see you on the next episode.